Okay, we've got a little intro music. So uh, here's your cue, your pre-cue, to, to applaud as the intro music ends. Let it must be stopped, no matter the cost. Not yet. <laughs> Thank you. That, that banging beat, by the way, I just want to shout out this man over here, Caleb on the far Hello. left, produced uh, uh, that rocking little jam. I made that. So uh, I made that. good job. Hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Aaron. Uh, hello to EFCon up here, and I am pleased to welcome you to the Autopod Decepticast here. Uh, this little uh, thing is basically a variety show that we. We fight about what we call it, but we sort of call it mental movie moments. And uh, yeah, it's a privilege to be here. So let me take a second and just tell you who we are and why we even got this privilege. So mm-hmm. <laughs> um, basically for the last uh, year and a half or so, these gentlemen and I have been uh, doing a weekly podcast where we cover each minute of our podcast, or I should say each hour of our podcast, covers one minute of screen time in Transformers the movie, and we are almost through it right now. And so it's been a long journey. It's a movie we love, and that's obviously why we would put that kind of stupid energy yeah. into something <laughs> like that. Yeah, we've, but, we've dropped 83 today, and that means we've, we've talked about at least 83 hours about the 86 Transformers movie. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Something or like more. that. And that doesn't count all the research going into that's it. Right. But, but uh, so that's been our just disgraceful goal, is to get that done. And uh, basically through that, we dissect, we analyze, we comment really on every single moment and aspect of it. So if you're a fan of that movie, you might like the podcast. Uh, if you're a fan of language that we will control today that maybe is darker, you might like the podcast as well. It's not for children. <laughs> But basically, from the beginning DEG logo to the very end credit, uh, you know, we've just tried to be clever and witty and used words to talk about it. So, uh, I'm the host of the show, Aaron, and with me, I've got a thing here that I'm trying to do. And with me, joining me every single week, have been my cybernetic compadres, my bionic buddies, my robo amigos, the wheelbarrow and thimble to my race car, the B&O in Pennsylvania to my reading railroad. My two right-hand representatives from the Reagan era, the up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, to my BA start, esteemed winners of the John Larroquette and White Arsenio Hall lookalike contests, <laughs> the number four and number nine rated podcast co-hosts as uh, compiled by Autopod Decepticast Weekly. Uh, these gentlemen are smart, sassy, and full of moxie. They are intergalactic and planetary. They are not one, but two princes who kneel before you, fellas... Just go ahead now and introduce yourself. I am Hi, I'm Caleb, and I'm number four. He's number, yes, number four. I'm number seven. Uh, and all the intros are pretty much that long in our podcast. I also yeah. like how you made yourself the race car. Well, that's the best one, mm. obviously. <laughs> so, guys, uh, two, two sentences about your relationship to the brand. Um, I think that I probably saw the movie after already watching season three. Um, and so I kind of consumed information, like movies of just like, oh, this is a movie that's on. And I always loved Transformers, but I don't remember any cognitive dissonance between like seeing the movie and seeing the show and like, I could kind of just messed it all together. Is it just weird to dial in and Prime's not around? No. <laughs> you didn't even think <laughs> I about d- it? I, I think I was just an, uh, the, the perfect consumer. I was just like, oh, feed me merchandise. Oh, you'll still take it. Okay, gotcha. Caleb, you're the kind of, the, he's the everyman. Caleb is uh, not really, he just shows up. We generally have coffee brewed. I show up every time. He doesn't do any I, research, but he did make I, a banging intro. I, I do. I, I own some G1 stuff, and I didn't really get into Transformers again until we started doing this project. Yeah, you <laughs> hadn't seen the movie in like 20 years. No. So we're just looking for an excuse to hang out with the guy. Yes, yeah, shows up. So uh, what are we going to do today? It's like, like I said, it's a little variety show of sorts. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the favorite insights that we've distilled from watching this thing in this manner. And uh, we're going to play some games, give away some prizes. So hopefully you're feeling competitive. 
and so I also want to say before we get into it that a good friend of ours that we've met by being a doing this thing. Uh, I'll introduce Mike Seibert of Mike Seibert Radio hey, out, of, uh, out of Seattle. Hi, and I'm Mike Seibert. I saw the movie twice when I was a kid. <laughs> so, yeah, he's a, he's a great guy, a, a much better uh, radio storyteller than I'll ever be. But, but uh, he uh, is going to be a part of this. He's going to be kind of our, uh, our Pat Sajak, or maybe yeah. Alex Trebek somewhere, some mashup our Mark, of them. Or Mark Summers. Mark Summers. Oh, good. Yeah, good He's good coming call. to town like next week or something. You yeah. saw that like saw Double that Dare Live yeah. is going to be at yeah. the yeah. Rosemount. Yeah. I was like, he paid me. He paid me to say that. <laughs> That's pretty rad. But uh, so yeah, I I traveled all the way from the Pacific Northwest, uh, two thousand miles from Seattle. Who's uh who's coming out from really long ways? That guy. <laughs> that guy. <laughs> Way to you, relate, awesome. Way to, relate to everybody who flew here from wherever. Well done. So, so before I kick it back to you guys, though, I mean, it's, it, it, oh, no. is, it is deep Sunday here at TFCon. Have you had a good time so far? Get the, talk right. about the movie. <laughs> you talk about the movie. We better rile we up the crowd. Thank you. You're all wonderful. I'll see you soon. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. All right. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> Sit down. So, uh, as we said, we've been breaking this down minute by minute, uh, well over a year. In that time, we've discovered it's not hyperbolic at all to say that this movie can be gleefully unhinged. And uh, <laughs> uh, it had the potential to be even more unhinged, which Ryan is going to get into in his little script deviation Wait segment later. But uh, right now, we're going to get right into some of the on-screen craziness by breaking down the fandom's favorite thing to talk about when it comes to amazing shape-shifting robots from space, and that is, of course... Uh-oh. Oh, no. Already, technically. Oh, I've, had, I've already done slides. This slide. is us. Great. Fandom's favorite thing about shape-shifting robots from space, and that, of course, is humans. Absolutely. The best thing about the brand is people. And, uh, you know, it all goes back to this guy right here, right? Spike the son of a roughneck oil worker, and not just the son of one, because at 14 years old in 1984, he's working the rig with definitely, his dad. Definitely uh, illegal. I think <laughs> that we're going to find out that when it comes to uh, taking care of children, the Witwicky men uh, don't really, uh, they just don't do a good job at that. And so... Yeah, it's absolutely, like, they, I'm surprised they can reproduce at all. They, should, they seem yeah. to be made of all recessive genes. <laughs> well, sort of yes and no on that, because time goes by to the year 2005, and Spike turns into this very handsome, I mean, look at that handsome jaw. gentleman here. And uh, we don't know what he's been up to in that gap of time, but, well, I guess we know a little bit of what he might have been up to, because uh, this guy. Daniel exists. And, um, you know, uh, Daniel... He's age 12, I believe, by when this movie comes out, and he's inherited some of his father's adventurous spirit, but he's, you know, seemingly inherited none of his father's charm. <laughs> and it's a pretty well-worn Transformers cliche to hate on Daniel, but this conversation isn't really about Daniel. Uh, it's about the abuse that this child faces in the form of just neglectful parenting, <laughs> And thoughtless Autobot guardianship. And so if this were real life, social services would be all over this kid. Certainly the state would have intervened. <laughs> so we're going to cover Daniel's top ten near-death experiences <laughs> in the movie here. And, and it really starts off right, right from the get-go here. Um, first of all, why, why is Hot Rod the guy that gets to babysit <laughs> Daniel? Is that how Spike gets paid by doing all that moon base work with the Autobots? Is it like, we'll just watch your well, kid? Well, we'll give you child services, I guess. And, uh, <laughs> uh, who wants to do this? I don't know. Hot Rod's not busy. Where's Carly? Where is it Spark is true. Plug? Where is Carly? Is Spark Plug dead? Uh, I like, to, uh, I like to think he's in Florida. That's sad to think I thought, about. I think Carly's signing... Autographs. Oh, well, that's <laughs> we true. should ask her about it. Um, and I guess most importantly, really, why would you leave your child with dangerous war robots to begin with? That's a thing. I mean, that's that all make, he knows. It is sense. all he knows. But so Daniel wants to go see the shuttle land, and, uh, and Hot Rod uh, thinks that's a boring thing to do, uh, even though he's just got very excited about Loves catching fishing. that fish right there. Um, but so he hops on a hoverboard, and this is not your standard issue Back to the Future 2 hoverboard, because... In this version of 2005 America, the toy industry is completely deregulated. And, uh, it's Reagan's America. This thing, the is powered, <laughs> this thing is powered by some kind of petroleum product, super hot rockets, dangerous flames, and despite being an explosive death machine, um, 
Daniel's not wearing any nope. uh, protection, which even noted Hill Valley moron Griff Tannen <laughs> had the good sense I to wear. I love noted moron. <laughs> yes. Uh, so Daniel is uh, unfortunately uh, worse at hoverboarding than he is fishing because he hops on this thing and almost immediately wrecks. And instead of uh, <laughs> bashing on his head on some rocks at 35 miles an hour, Hot Rod saves him. And uh, with that little toss and catch, Daniel is safe. And it's a good thing that Hot Rod is, gra is graceful mm -hmm. uh, because... It seems like they practiced this. <laughs> yeah. But if, if Hot Rod was a little less graceful, uh, this scene would have looked more like this. <laughs> so I have to shout out uh, the creator of this gif who let us use it. To, I can't stop watching it. I know. Let's just watch this. It's mesmerizing. It just keeps going, doesn't it? the next 45 minutes right here. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, yeah. With that, uh, Daniel's safe as of now. Yes. He's, he is safe as of now. And, and, and that brings us to near-death experience number two. And really, that's kind of one and two, but we're packing sure. him up. There's a lot this of number, We'll call this number two. <laughs> and um, you know, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this one because there's a lot better ones. But we see uh, Megatron circumcises the mountain here. <laughs> and uh, Hot Rod and, and Daniel are falling. And, and, and uh, to, real, to me, this is really like free-falling in a two-by-two-by-four elevator, mm -hmm. steel elevator. And, Hot Rod lands really hard, and I yep. feel like, um, and maybe this is weak, but Hot Rod's not made of pillows. That's a hard landing. I think Daniel should be dead. It's, it's, it's true, although I do, like, Hot Pillows is my favorite new name for a Transformer. Hot Pillows? <laughs> we can market that. Nobody take that. No. <laughs> That's right. Um, so let's move on to number three here, and this is a good one. I've never really seen anybody talk about this before. So the team has made it back to the safety of the city here. Uh, Daniel, Cup, and Hot Rod, they've reconnected with RC, Springer, and the crew, and they're pushing, uh, they're pushing this rocket here into position. And after a little uh, romantic banter that we saw between uh, RC and Hot Rod, Daniel climbs Gross. around to the front of this ladder to take a little peeksee on what's going on. And of course, we see Devastator, Devastator. form at this point. And uh, Springer feels like that's a reasonable thing to load up and shoot, mm, and sure. it is. Except for the fact that Daniel is still <laughs> Uh, <laughs> right in front of that, yes. right in front of that rocket, yes. and uh, I mean, we all love the Fourth of July as much as <laughs> you have a son, two sons. Caleb. Would yeah. you let them get close that close to like those mortar rocket shells? No. <laughs> well, this is Thank what that <laughs> this is what that's like, <laughs> except times a hundred, uh, because those things are intended to murder ten-story steel aliens. And, uh, but anyway, okay, so you guys get it. Uh, or at least the shockwave, even, I think, was... I mean, everything. he's definitely, like, got some yeah. third-degree burns. Yeah, I Okay, I, we get it. Uh, near, so that brings us to number four, which is a kind of a direct tie into this one. And aside from that rocket exhaust potentially uh, just melting off Daniel's head, we're in a situation where the firepower actually does nothing to really mm -hmm. hurt Devastator. And so he's tearing off some sheet metal here, and I've slowed it down. He throws it and it's going right where that rocket came from, and he <laughs> scores a direct hit. Now, uh, mm. you'll notice that we didn't see Daniel in that little running away sequence here. We see Cup and RC and Hot Rod and Springer, and I uh, believe it's because Daniel took that thing in the face. Yeah, I, to, to, like, uh, to take a little section from how did this get made, maybe this is a Jacob's Ladder situation where the rest of the movie's <sighs> Daniel's dying moments in his mind. Yeah, I like that take. Um, so he was, yeah. he, he was on a ladder. <laughs> <laughs> well, excellent. <laughs> uh, we should just recoin that phrase, Daniel's ladder. Daniel's ladder. Oh, nobody All take right. that either. <laughs> I don't. I don't think these people are taking any of it. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, that'll bring us to number five here, and. Um, just to catch us up, we fast forward, Megatron is now Galvatron, uh, and he's decided to attack Earth. And he and Cyclonus are trying to run down RC and Daniel here. So they're taking some shots, uh, a little missile play creates a, creates a gap here, and Daniel almost bites it, but luckily <laughs> uh, RC is there. To save the day. And, he's you know, still running into it. Yeah, I, I, well, I mean... The, honestly, Daniel being caught in midair at the last second is kind of a theme that we're building on. It's here. true. <laughs> like, why is he just always about to fall? I don't know. Um, but uh, so he's alive, though. Nothing to worry about. But he probably wishes he was dead because. <laughs> 
he had to uh, pretend with this really awkward flirty banter that we, uh, that we see here. And so um, that brings us to number six. And at this point in the movie, uh, Daniel survived two battles on Earth and one battle in space. <laughs> I don't know why the Autobots took him into space to begin with. It seems like just leaving him on Earth would be the right thing to do, either just with his even, parents or just by himself. Even really. by himself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it like, seems like he'd be better plenty off. of fishing to do. That's right. Uh, but uh, and at the very least, I think they could have just left him with Blaster. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Who would want to hang out with Blaster? The most responsible. Yeah, but, but he's the coolest. He's like your no. Drunk he's uncle. gonna try to jam him into his chest. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say he is the most fatherly. It's life. true. He does have little yeah, I guess guys he takes care of. I don't know. I don't know. We can't litigate this right now. Uh, so uh, we've survived a space battle at this point. And we're going to crash land on this uh, planet of junk. And, uh, you know, they say they brace for impact, but that's really hard to do on <laughs> Autobot ships because they don't come equipped with seat belts. There's no seat belts. So it's a pretty major design flaw. Um, and I think when you're an organism made of soft tissue... <laughs> this is... <laughs> so, <laughs> at worst... His bones are dust inside of his body. Sure, sure, sure. At best, his neck is broken. His organs are definitely liquefied. Yeah. You know, they do have seat belts on that ship. If they would turn into vehicles and put <laughs> them inside of them every once in a while. Yeah, she would have. She should have been a car. Wait a minute. So what does that look like? They're they're about to crash. I'm turning it, into a truck. Yeah. <laughs> And inside. then I just get open the door, get in. You could you you saw how fast Hot Rod did it when he was wrecking on his it's hoverboard. It's true, but the RC and him hadn't practiced. So that's true. <laughs> I like this idea. Uh, so we're on the home stretch here uh, of this little segment, and this is one of my absolute favorites because. Uh, Daniel gets an opportunity to make himself useful. He finds, they find an exosuit of his dad's and throw him into it. And uh, never mind how, how does he fit in his father's exosuit. Uh, and never mind that they just let him train for about 10 seconds and they're like, out of the nest, little birdie. <laughs> but uh, but that's, he's got a suit, so he's useful now. And uh, we're going to fast forward. Uh, everybody's fixing the ship. And Daniel's found his special purpose here. This is actually, I like this. This is where I start to like Daniel, where he starts to be useful, and he does yeah. actually a good job. Yeah. Well, uh, but they still give him uh, a little bit too much room on that leash. So the Decepticons <laughs> show up, they attack, they blow up the ship. There's all manner of pandemonium. And uh, at this point, we have uh, RC, Daniel, and Blur. They're running, again, they're running and... Uh, RC, for, for no reason at all, just transforms and leaves. She's like, peace. <laughs> without saying, and Daniel's freaking out at this point. He's yes. like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And Blair's like, I don't know, transform or something. Also, Bam. I gotta go. I'm out. <laughs> Now, I hope you figure it out. Now, he does figure it out. Luckily, he poops his pants a little bit and then knocks, <laughs> knocks these that guys out. That exosuit's got to be hosed out. <laughs> but, like, okay, I, I, I don't put it past Blur to do this, but RC is the it warm, is weird. courageous protector. Yeah, it's a real, like, it's a real weird moment it's... in the movie that I didn't realize until we started analyzing it like this. <laughs> so, uh, that brings us to number eight. And uh, at this point in the movie, Daniel gets an opportunity to save the day. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's, so that's really nice. Oh, for him. I love it. And uh, Hot Rod and Cup, they show up. Uh, there's a little Energon buffet for everybody. Uh, there's a killer dance party. Ultra Magnus is brought back to life. <laughs> and then everybody gets word that there's a kegger on Unicron. <laughs> and they're going to go crash this baby. And um, as soon as they sh show up, Unicron immediately fires on them, mm -hmm. uh, breaks the ship in half, and the whole front of the ship crashes through, uh, through eye. Unicron's yep. eye. So, crash through the eye. As we all know, everybody kind of just gets flung from just the ship. Just falls out of the ship. And they drop some, I don't know how many thousand feet that is, but they hit the ground, or whatever you might call the ground when you're talking about being on the inside of a, a giant head. robot alien. <laughs> um, but uh, Daniel's okay. You know, he's all right. Inertial dampers. He gets up, he just shakes it off. But I know he's in an exosuit, but the reality of this situation is that uh, Daniel would not look like this if he had fallen uh, from that distance. Uh, Daniel would look more like this. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, I like it. I like it. Uh, 
Um, so, Can you get like yeah. a third-party upgrade kit for that? Oh, I like yeah, it. I like it. We'll have to do a deal with somebody. So, yeah, he's just a, he'd be a smashed-up red velvet jello pudding child is ba- in a tin box. Don't make me uh, hungry. <laughs> so that brings us to number nine. These are the next couple are a little contentious among the group here. So, uh, so bear with us here. Uh, number nine. Uh, Daniel and the team are running away uh, from these giant pinchers. And why they aren't in vehicle mode at this point, first cars. Of all, is beyond me. But Daniel trips. It takes a second for these guys to kind of catch up to what's going on. And by the time they get it there, he's all tangled up in these pinchers again. And I've slowed this down so we can get into the Zapruder nature of this. Um, and what's going to happen is these guys are going to whip out some pistols and just start popping shots that whiz okay. right by Daniel's head. Ladies and gentlemen, if you listen to the podcast, we have... We have talked about this ad nauseum about Aaron seems to want to die on this hill of they are, shouldn't be shooting at the child, but I'm like, what are their options? I mean, go up there and tear him away or whatever. It's not like they're great shots anyway. Like, they're well, going to miss. We'll see. Most people would uh, you know, try not to, like if you're in a hostage situation, people aren't going to. I've seen action movies. You just all shoot right, the bad guy. Right, right. <laughs> okay. So fair enough. Um, so that's number nine here, and that brings us to our final one, uh, going back to my point about uh, bad shots. I don't know what she, RC is shooting at at this moment, but what she does is kind of unhurl, un, un, release this torrential wave. Uh, the team is separated. Daniel's bobbing up and down in the waves here. He's calling for help. There's none to come. Uh, he falls down some waterfalls, kind of goes through this little tunnel sequence here. He, I love na- that he nearly drowns. It's great. It's very well It's like animated. a video game. Um, but uh, he's strong, right? He lives, mm-hmm. and good for him. And not only does he live, he goes on to become a bona fide hero. Absolutely. By saving his father, Jazz, Bumblebee, Cliff Jumper, and I think uh, to kind of close this little segment out here, the point of all this is to say, yeah, a lot of people don't like Daniel, and in the first, I don't like him. We like Spike because in season one and two, Spike, you know, Spike's a teenager. He represented what we wanted to be, right? Kind of cool. Uh, older, uh, you know, cooler, 14, tougher. working on an oil rig. <laughs> I mean, he's badass. Like uh, all of our dreams. <laughs> but, but Daniel represents what we actually were in the moment, which is small, helpless, insignificant, kind of accidentally useful. And so if you were raised the way he was, uh, abandoned by his parents, uh, raised by buffoonish, <laughs> violent robots... Exposed to all these life-threatening situations, I, none of you had turned out any better, and that's why, <laughs> around our podcast, we've decided that Daniel is really the unsung hero of this movie. And that cute little D on his jacket there—most people think that just stands for Daniel, but it doesn't. No, around our podcast, the truth about this re- resilient man—we uh, give him all respect when we say that the D stands for danger. <laughs> we have. Uh, this in a button form that we'll sell you. Yes, we have pins available for sale. (laughs) (laughs) Autobotsepticus.com shop. Uh, So that brings us to the end of this little movie moment here. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think what we'd like to do next is maybe get the energy going a little bit. Uh, Say, you're welcome to applaud if you'd like. I won't stop. We're going to edit in applause anyway. Absolutely. Extra (laughs) applause. Uh, okay, so uh, Caleb, you want to introduce sure. this next little, yeah, next little um, thing here? Absolutely. Oh, okay, so for the uh, next segment, it's going to be a little game show that we have, um, and um, we're excited to host the show that is sweeping the Transformers universe <laughs> by storm. It's deal or can't deal, and we have uh, here our friend Mike Seibert uh, to uh, assist us as an MC. Uh, let's get started. Um, I should mention that it's. Um, um, anyway, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, go Wait a minute, wait. You're reading have... my part. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have a sound effect. I can't deal with that now. Okay. All right, now, now we can do this. Well done. Welcome to Laugh and Applaud, all you like. Oh. But <laughs> yes, ladies and gentlemen, it is indeed Deal or Can't Deal, where one lucky contestant will get the opportunity to choose between a prize or the Autobot Matrix of Leadership. Thank that. you. That's you're incredibly real. polite. Heart you fam. So Ooh. whoa, mm. just got turned down up in here. the lights. <laughs> this got super moody all of a sudden. Um, so I need a volunteer from the audience to light our darkest hour. Who wants to play? Do a volunteer. Deal Don't worry, or it's can't easy. deal. Oh, all right. Oh, I see oh, a, a oh, orange oh. hat over there. Sorry, right. I got cap. I got orange hat first. Okay. All right. All right. Come on down, come on down. 
In fact, we're going to come to you, yes? That's fine. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Very good. Come on down. Our, logis our logistics are obviously very tight. Yes. <laughs> on point. <laughs> we even practice this stuff, too. So, um, uh, what's your name? I'm Gil. Where are you from? San Diego, California. I love nice. San Diego. That's Give it up for stuff. San Diego. Yay. <laughs> what's, uh, what's been your favorite part of TFCon so far? Uh, the exclusives. Yeah. Nice. You get all those uh, bizarre third party. Do you get that guy with the cape? Yeah. I got him. He, uh, he seems pretty rad. I don't know who that guy is. <laughs> um, let's see. All right. So where were we? Let's see. All right. So please turn your attention to the case on the table. Contained within is indeed the Autobot Matrix of Leadership. Now, you can select the Matrix or you can refuse and take the deal revealed in front of Ryan on the panelist table. Ryan, please show them what they could win. Well, Mike, if today's lucky contestant takes the deal, they will win Orson Welles' last roll. Yes, it's Orson Welles' last roll. Baked in the kitchen of Mr. Welles' favorite Beverly Hills restaurant, Mama's Oh, and served to him on the evening of his interview with Merv Griffin in 1986. Welles fans and bread aficionados alike will salivate over this addition to your collection. No buns about it. It's Orson's last roll. Yeah, right? Thank you for your applause. And thank you, Ryan. That was wonderful. Okay, all right, very good. So, what's it going to be? You could take the deal in front of Ryan, the, the last roll, the titular last roll. There might is, be some DNA on Is there, there a bite taken yeah. out of that? You got, you got some yeah. Orson Welles DNA? It's Orson's last you, bite. You're going you're gonna to make a Citizen Kane 2 out of that, maybe? I, I, I don't know. Um, or you could choose can't deal and take the opportunity to open the matrix of leadership, what's it going to be? Uh, can't deal. I, I think that means the case, right? I can't remember. <laughs> That's exciting. Yes, right. can't deal. Well, there we go. All right, so this. things are getting interesting. So this reminds me of a game show I once hosted in the Slave Mines off of Galgana 7. I mean, the Petra Rabbits were... Uh, uh, but that's, that's for another time. Grimlock, get your noodle on my face. Um, all right, so come with me to the case of your choosing and open it to reveal your prize. Go ahead and give it a go right here in front of all of these nice people for us to see. Man. It seems like he's struggling. He's, he's, he's having he a hard time with, with that. I, I think we need to hear it from the crowd. You know what the line is, right? I'll get you started. Open. <laughs> Damn it, open. One more time. Open. <laughs> Keep it going. <laughs> open. Damn it, there open. we go. <laughs> All right, this is bad comedy. I'm so sorry. This is a terrible game, and we are terrible, terrible people. It appears that our contestant can't deal with this right now. <laughs> that was a long but not to worry, to my joke. friend. There are indeed no losers in deal or can't deal. Free prizes are the right of all sentient beings. Uh, Tell them so what they want for participating. Oh, let me get to Ryan. this slide. Well, we have our... Or Caleb or somebody. There, go. there we go. This is the Autobot Decepticast. Uh, I want you for the Autobot Army poster and also our pin set, which both are available at our store, AutobotDecepticast.com. I have loans. <laughs> I, I, I'd also mention uh, that cup... Thank you. That cup <laughs> poster you, is illustrated by Mr. Ryan Jett I'm pretty and, great, you guys. And among I, the three of us, we all... I don't know what, I, what we were going to do if you actually got that thing open, to be oh, honest. Just I ripped it. <laughs> I don't know yeah, how crappy a move that is to design a game where somebody is going to fail off yeah. the bat. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I, so I apologize. Thank you for being a good sport. I know how crappy it is. Very. <laughs> All right. So thank you for joining us for an exciting round of Deal or Can't Deal. And now until next time, get your Sharktacon spayed or neutered. It's for the benefit of the Anabots population. I'll be back later. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Mike. You're a great guy. Uh, so uh, that brings us to uh, the next little section of this journey here that Ryan's taking control mm -hmm. of here. And I'll just a little context. So part of the minute-by-minute minute thing we do, we have a segment uh, that's called Script Deviations. And oh, hang on, sound effect. Sound effect, everybody. Script deviations. That is so cool. So great. <laughs> <laughs> and we're, 
along with watching what we see on screen, we have a couple different drafts of the script that we follow. I've got one that's closer to what we see on screen. It's like a maybe a draft away from uh, a very uh, dilly refined version. Mm -hmm. And Ryan has what we call like the psychedelic Ron Friedman craziness that he that he follows. And uh, Ryan, I think is just you're just gonna take the opportunity. Sure. You ready to do this? I'll take it away. Hit it? Okay. Uh, yeah, I think this is probably maybe the the second draft of what Ron Friedman did. And uh, up top, I just want to say I'm making fun, but it comes out of place of love, but this is bonkers. It's, it's like crazy. somebody had done co cocaine and a keg of NyQuil mm -hmm. and just wrote for 36 hours. It's amazing. Okay, so um, up, up top here, we're going to go with uh, Different by Design. Oh, and it happened again. It still works. Thank you. Hey, you know, I just want to thank you for not playing the remix. Oh, yes, yes, yes. That's inside baseball. <laughs> um, all right, in this script, uh, Unicron is uh, interchangeably called Unicron, but also Ingester. Uh, in fact, uh, he is, after the Decepticons are transformed by Unicron into new forms, they have a battle cry that is Ingester and Victory. Which There's is something old. very Nazi esque about it. It is that. not. <laughs> It's weird. Anyway. <laughs> There's actual anyway. Yeah, I can't get into it. Um, but the way this is the way we're used to seeing Unicron. You know, he has gravitational ray, the the horns, the chewing. Uh, but in the script, he not only uh, swallows moons and planets whole, but he has this whole different method of consuming energy. Which here we go. Yeah, he has this like they literally refer to it in the script as a soda straw which sucks up Energon, like when the Decepticons are on Earth and they make a huge pile of Energon cubes and he sucks the energy up through the straw with uh, uh, attendant, oh, I want to quote this here, actually. Energon cubes start to be sucked dry up and through the cold beam into deepest space with attendant soda straw sucking sounds. That's directly from the script, and they bring it up a lot. <laughs> Absolutely. Exactly. Okay. Gross. A little over the <laughs> Please don't uh, do that ever again. <laughs> so the next interesting thing that I hadn't seen in, in, into the script is the Anabots, which I'd never heard of before. Um, in this script, they're the new Autobot combiners, um, and they're the main opponent of Devastator. Um, uh, they are also Wheeljack's creation, which uh, we know how well that goes with the Dinobots. I gave them simple brains. <laughs> it's, so the Constructicons are attacking, and Ultra Magnus says... It's in the same quadrant as the Roboto Zoo Lab. Activate the Anabots. So tell me if these descriptions sound similar. Okay, Simba is a huge lion Anabot. Pardo, a huge leopard Anabot. Shriek, an Autobot eagle. Thump, an Anabot Thump? buffalo. Clump, an Anabot Clump. rhinoceros. I feel like they got real lazy at the end yeah. of the name. Yeah. It's like Thump and, uh, I don't know. Oh, dump. no, we're right. Clump. I guess Thump. we can't use Dump. <laughs> I was like... That sounds like some of the goofier names that Flint Dilly was coming up with throughout the weekend. Yeah. Just, mm -hmm. just, just yeah, weird, I mean, innocuous sounds. It's like, oh, we call him But he bump, wasn't whatever. trying when he did that. Somebody was sure. trying. In this and moment. so, yeah, anyway. that basically, as I'm sure you've all guessed, they become the Predacons, <laughs> which I thought was just really fascinating how they turned that around. So a section of the wall comes down to reveal that these guys are behind, the, the Anabots are behind cages, which I'm like, are they slaves? I don't know. They seem partially remote controlled because once the Constructicons form Devastator, Ultra Magnuses. T oh, Ultra Magnuses. Oh. I need more or less gin, I'm not sure. Um, okay. Ultra Magnus tells Wheeljack to activate Dragon Beast, which is whenever right. they are merged together. And this is Floro Derry's design of Dragon Beast, um, which I don't. I, I love it, but I don't see how those characters form that thing. That that uh, looks like it makes a noise like yes, a garsh. Also, why uh, are all of Wheeljack's creations walled up? Like they, yeah, they, they straight up like, just throw them away whenever really they strange. become too dangerous or insane. And why do they continue to let him invent things? He's not good at this. Right, I'm anyway, glad he's that's dead. well worn territory. Uh, all right, cool. Yeah, we're going to go on to the oh, next one. Is next the thing. Fast Cuts Ye Old Fishing Hole. And this is one of the cards we made, actually, for one of our promo for our podcast here. Um, in this script version, Hot Rod is equally uninterested in fishing, unlike in the, in the movie where he loves fishing, hates shuttles. Right. Um, but also, I don't think Ron Freeman had ever been fishing, because in this version, Hot Rod, quote, gets a jerk on his line, pulls line up to show he's caught three large fish, which I don't think is possible. I mean, I, Daniel is still as equally excited to see the shuttle land, uh, but his conveyance is a little less impressive than the rocket sled. Um, it's a bike. 
safer, he just, though. He, yeah, like, quote, he, um, <laughs> Daniel runs to his bicycle and starts pedaling furiously to get up a steep, grassy hillside. Still no uh, pads, I see, or no helmet. Nope, nope. Uh, I, I think uh, they should have made the rocket version of the bike. Just mm-hmm. no wheels, but just rockets coming out of the frame. Just, just <laughs> exhaust shooting everywhere. Yeah. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Um, Aaron, in your script, uh, I was going to say, a Hot Rod tosses the pole into like as he runs up to join Daniel. Yeah. But in your script, Aaron, that it was a later version, he throws it in he the lake. He just throws the yeah. rod in the lake. <laughs> He's done. Which I'm is done. what we kind of I, sh- I drew here, which is like we just imagine that every time they go fishing, it's a single-use pole he just chucks into the water. Ah. <sighs> I still don't know why they let uh, Daniel hang out with Hot Rod. Yeah. <laughs> so, here we go. This is the fun part. Even more brutal Autobot deaths. This movie took the bold step of just slaughtering everybody we ever cared about. Um, and But there, in the original script, there's actually even worse deaths. So, we got, Braun is the first one to die on screen, killed by Megatron, wielded by, wielded by Starscream. But in the script, it says he, quote, Braun is cut in half by Megatron's fusion cannon, which is gross. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> I do like that reenactment. Thank but, you. Uh, all right. <laughs> um, so, also, I drew this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Everybody gets I don't it. know if you know Ryan can sling some ink. I'm pretty all awesome. Right. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, Self esteem. Applause. There. Um, so, we go to Prowl, which is a pretty brutal on screen death with the eyes dying out and the, and the smoke pouring out of his mouth. Um, but uh, we, uh, in the this script. This makes me want to vomit. It's every pretty time bad. I see it. It's. This is the worst one for me. (laughs) But um, in the script, we see Prowl as, quote, as Scavenger melts him down, which I would just, this is my imagining of it because I'm a terrible person. So this is what I drew and just into a pool of goo. So he just is fired on, and is that like... would it look like liquid Terminator? All it says is it melts him down. He didn't go into one thousand. Yeah, yeah, okay. that's kind of what I imagine. That's gross. Okay, <laughs> so that's a minute of I'm the movie. I'm glad they changed where we that, just but... watch awkwardly as this yeah. happens. Um, okay, so we go to Ironhide and Ratchet, who are just shot to pieces by everybody in the movie. Um, but in the in the actual script, it says it cuts to Scavenger, Megatron, and Kickback all firing at once as Ironhide and Ratchet, who in the act of firing back, are fused together, together. and blasted apart and fall in smoldering fragments. That is Friedman's capitalization, not mine. <laughs> I don't know if he was upset. <laughs> I don't even know how that works. Like, were they just standing next to each other and just got so hot from all the laser it, fire that they tripped? And it, I can only assume. It looks familiar, though, from the comic, though. Yeah, right? and I wonder if that together. did turn into a Marvel I thing. Think, I think Mother must. It must like have. The been. Megatron. Yeah. Uh, all right. Okay. Pretty next. gross, everybody. Did you like that? <laughs> everybody <laughs> feeling <going>. nauseous? Great. <laughs> So next we go to uh, Fast Cuts number two. RC kind of gets some short shrift in this movie. She yeah. is uh, the most prevalent uh, female Autobot in the show and the movie. Uh, there are a couple others, but um, Springer in particular, she gets some pretty like classic 80s treatment as a, as a female. Like Springer in particular keeps grabbing her by the wrist by the and moving wrist. her around. I don't know that I'd call it classic, but uh, I know what you mean. Anyway. I think that I do know that I'd call okay, it that. Right. Um, like, imagine for a second that that's not RC. Imagine he's grabbing Perceptor and moving him around like that. Like, hey, you come with me, you microscope. Like, just, it's just so strange. A lot of, a lot of mansplaining. Mm-hmm. Very well. There's also a lot of protecting her. Like, Hot Rod grabs her by the waist and tells her to practice bravery some other time. And she's just shooting at Scourge, which is her job. Yeah. So it's like, I don't understand that line. There's a point where she, they're surrounded by Decepticons and one of them makes a move toward RC and several Autobots, including Daniel, steps in front of her and I'm like, she's a soldier. She's a warrior. She what are you doing? <laughs> Again, imagine if they stepped in front of Blur. It's like, no, he's too fast. He, he can't defend himself. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So oh, there's also the disgu- disgusting, like, oh, you went too far, but we'll come to that in a second. There's this just a point about the love story. It's... I don't know how anybody else feels. In the movie, it's kind of implied that Hot Rod and RC have this uh, Sam and Diane, will they, won't they kind of thing. In the script, it's a much more obvious, uh, mostly in stage direction. When Hot Rod and RC are pushing the launcher into place, um, it says, she likes him, but doesn't want to go too far. <laughs> so creepy. Yeah. <laughs> and then there. to that, uh, it says, quote, Hot Rod looking at RC, interested in her, but trying to be cool. <laughs> After, and then after Hot Rod repairs Cup on Quintessa, he says, We're wasting time. The Dinobots might be in trouble, or maybe it's RC out there, surrounded by aliens. Or, and it just trails off. Yeah. 
<laughs> so, and then Cup says, which makes it great, Cup says, hey, I'm the one with the fantasy stories. <laughs> so that, so Cup is a gross old man. <laughs> I, I, yeah. He's like a horny grandpa. Yeah, I didn't even okay. count the number of times her <laughs> dialogue is delivered coyly. Um, and then, yeah, and then they almost leave her behind as they're evacuating Autobot City. We have our only consensual wrist grab, which is whenever Springer uh, pulls her into the shuttle. So, I, the, we talked about this on the show a little bit. Like, I think about in my head, for the longest time, I always thought our Springer and uh, Hot Rod romantic rivals, which I don't know why you need to bring that into this at all. Mm-hmm. But, but, but I had this sort of insight whenever, I always we thought watched, that too. whenever we watched the movie in the theaters a few weeks ago. And I don't know how, I'd be interested in what people think of this, but I then decided that the dynamic between Springer and RC is brother-sister. It's not romantic necessarily, yeah. which makes the wrist grabbing a little more tolerable. It does. A little, the it kid's makes, sister kind of wrist grabbing retconning it into of, being okay. Uh, anyway. I don't think wrist grabbing's okay. At all right, all. okay, all right. All right. <laughs> uh, cool. Yeah, so next we move on to the life spark, which uh, was something that actually was introduced in the original script, but wouldn't um, become like canonical until Beast Wars. Um, the first mention is with Megatron at the bottom of this cliff after he fights Prime, and um, Starscream says, sarcastic, filled with false sympathy, how do you feel, mighty Megatron? You look dreadful. That's pretty good, actually. It's a pretty good Starscream. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. And then Megatron, weakly clutching at Starscream's hand, grasping, The wound is mortal. My life spark hungers for infinite peace. Stick to Starscream. Yeah. <laughs> that hurt my throat a little bit. Um, I'm no Frank Wilker. Uh, so uh, then when the next time we see this prime spark goes to Ultra Magnus, which I was interested in, since the Matrix is not a, a physical object in this, I was wondering how that would work. And the way they do it is prime is dying and he says... This will be good. My spark. Transfer the spark. That's the worst Optimus that's ever been. Uh, A door in Prime's chest opens, revealing a pure white light and a column of light that goes from Optimus' chest to a similar span on Ultra Magnus' chest. Then Optimus Prime's life spark floats out. The spark is a glowing, pulsating, visible creature of pure radiant energy in the form of a miniature Optimus Prime. So it's like this weird little homunculus that just goes from chest to chest. I think it undercuts the seriousness of the situation a little bit. It's, it's weird. Like he's like he's not dead at all. I'm surprised they haven't done a third party of, of like a live. It's spark. true. I I just said that. It's on tape. <laughs> <laughs> copyright. Copyright. Trademark. Autobot subcast. Uh, so, yeah. So um, then we're in the Decepticon Hall of Heroes, which, if you notice here um, on those statues, those like little urns that are on the bottom of them, those are actually in the script Decepticon Life Sparks that have been delivered to Cybertron. At this point in the in the original script, Megatron is still. They bring him back to Cybertron, and the Decepticons start arguing over who's going to become the next leader and then start fighting and destroy the statues which fall on top of Megatron and crush him into thousands of fragments and then the life sparks from those statues and Megatron float out into space and that's what Unicron uses to reformat the Decepticons. He doesn't use their bodies. He uses their life sparks. Yep. I feel like there is a real world religious equivalent to this story that you're telling but I'm... L. Ron Hubbard? (laughs) Yeah, I feel like... I feel like... There's some volcanoes that could get involved, mm. and maybe, anyway. Thetans. And uh, lots of therapy. So the prime spark goes to Galvatron, and I was curious about this, too, because, like, how is he going to take it? Uh, basically, he saws open Ultra Magnus's chest and puts it into literally a bottle. Now, that is a new third-party toy, a prime in a bottle idea. I like it. Somebody hit up Sting to make that, that parody song, Prime Spark in oh, a Bottle. Jesus. It took me a minute on that. I'm pretty, I'm pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. So then Prime Spark goes to Hot Rod in kind of the same way. Uh, he, it, it breaks, he basically breaks it on the wall. And um, it, it's kind of like Optimus says, You have put behind you, oh God, you've put behind you the ways of childhood. Be the Autobot you were created to be. Stand for the light. Rise, Rodimus Prime. And then Prime Spark is the thing that destroys Unicron instead of the Matrix, which I'm just like, well, Rodimus didn't do anything. Yeah. He didn't even have to fight Galvatron. Yeah, well, no, he did fight Galvatron, oh, but he was, he was saved by Jazz, yeah. but we can't oh, get into that right, anyway right, right. In, the, in the script. But yeah, unfortunately, also, Unicron's head does not pop off in the script, so yeah. he's just exploded. 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, so there, there we go. <laughs> that, and, that, and asked and answered. Uh, and then we go to like uh, the Fast Cuts 3 to close this out. Just some awesome lines that I enjoyed. Um, Springer has my favorite line in the movie um, where he, uh, during the um, uh, attack on Autobot City, he says, um, I have better things to do tonight than die. That is the best line in the movie, for sure. Yeah, you can flip it. <laughs> oh, sorry, I didn't know where I was. And, but his, his, his follow-up on the return attack of Autobot City is, I don't think this is going to be my favorite day. <laughs> Which is the worst sequel I've ever heard. <laughs> I knew I wasn't going to feel good when I got up in the morning. I'm getting too old for this. <laughs> okay. And then Hot Rod, as he's putting Cup back together, um, Hot Rod completes the reassembly, and Cup, this is the description, quote, who stands there impatiently like a man being fitted for a suit he is going to hate. <laughs> Which know. is my favorite. Because so of, weird. It's so many questions of like, why can't he tell the tailor he doesn't want that suit? Why is he getting the suit? Is this a bridesmaid situation? I guess it brings Hot up three Rod questions. And, uh, Does he hate it then? Does he already hate it? Yeah. He's going to hate it. And just, yeah. To close it out, I just I didn't even get to the clones that Perceptor makes of the Autobots on Junkion to distract the Decepticons. There's a glass and iron robot who helps Cup and Hot Rod free the other prisoners like Latessa. Cybertron's moons are swallowed whole by Unicron, and, and Rodimus cuts them loose, and they float back into orbit on Cyber... Oh, I love this script. It's so good and bananas. Go listen to our podcast. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's fine, please. We're going to... Thank you. Thank you. Uh, please clap. Please clap for us. So, <laughs> we appreciate it. We have, uh, I think, another game to play. Yeah, we have one more segment. We, um, got, we got about 10, 15 minutes. Okay, great. All right. All right. Are you uh, introing? You're introing. Yeah, okay. I'll intro it in. Uh, we're going to use right. Mike again here. Uh, and for the next segment, uh, we're going to uh, uh, present a, a game we call Roll Call. Wait for it. Roll call. Okay. <laughs> and it, no relation to that to the roll over there. Um, it's it's we only roll have call. One joke, and we're going to use right, it as yeah. many times as we can. We enjoy. I was say, I'm getting a little peckish. That's looking yeah. pretty good. It's so it's roll call. It's uh, we challenge a member of the audience, and this time it's it's not a gag or anything. But to a little <laughs> trivia, uh, celebrating uh, those uh, people where um, the the voice actors in the movie, and it's easy. We choose a player. We ask a question. It's multiple choice, and you answer the. Uh, you guess the answer correctly, and you get a prize. Um, if you answer it incorrectly, you also get a prize. You get a prize. Yeah, so. <laughs> a less it's, good it's, prize. It's, um, it's voice actor trivia, so let's go ahead and kick it off and um, take it away. All right. Well, thank you, Caleb. Yes, it is indeed Roll Call, where we challenge a member of the audience to choose correctly from selected answers, multiple choice style, like Caleb just mentioned, uh, based upon a question about a voice actor from the Transformers G1 animated universe. So... Who wants to play Roll Call? Who wants to be... Oh, my gosh. Look at all these hands. I'm going to start with you because you're closest. And as <laughs> and we I go through, we'll, we'll, we'll get as many as we can. Until uh, we run out what? of crap to give away. Exactly. Well, yeah, that too. <laughs> I need to or make time, room for the toys in my suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> what is your name, good sir? My name is Alex. Where are you from? Chicago. Oh, nice. So this was just, what, a drive down the road? Minutes. 15 took a minutes. rocket bicycle here. Yes. That's, that's nice. Uh, what's uh, been your favorite thing about TFCon so far? Uh, I pretty much liked it all. I picked up a lot of artwork. I'm going to put mm -hmm. up in my man cave. Oh, I'm going nice. to hear from the wife, but oh well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm jealous. You got some nice art prints in that, in that bag of yours there. All right, so let's move on to our first voice actor. Uh, Regis Kardik, he is the voice of the Quintesson Prosecutor. Um, he was a radio host in Pittsburgh from 1948 to 1965, where he had a running gag for a fake beer called what? Is it A, stag, uh, slag heap light, stag heap light, I drink that. Um, B, fist fight stout. C, Old flosh and slosh. Or Good pronunciation. <laughs> I practiced that all night too mm -hmm. and still didn't get it right. Or D, Quintessa Double IPA. What is your choice? I think C. Congratulations. You're absolutely You got right. it right. Old frothing slosh. So, so while Caleb gets you your prize, we will move on to who wants to play next. I saw a bunch of hands over here. What is your name? My name's Karma. Hi, Karma. Where are you from? Um, Antioch in Illinois. 
Nice, a lot of local folks out here. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, what's, uh, uh, what's been your favorite part about TFCon so far? Um, seeing all the figurines and a lot of the people cosplaying and stuff. It was just yes. lovely how they were able to make all this in a short amount of time. That's a lot of talent. Yeah, how about that costume contest? That was, that was off the chain. So our next, um, our next voice actor here is none other than Robert Stack himself, the voice of Ultra Magnus, who we heard a little earlier in Deal or Can't Deal. But he was, um, he set two world records in which sport and became a national champion? Is it A, skeet shooting, B, dart throwing, C, tractor pulling, or is it D, mystery solving? <laughs> what do you think? Well, I'm seeing he's in like a luchador outfit and you know, <laughs> out of the bulls and stuff like that, so he has to be strong. I'm thinking tractor pulling. What's the answer? What is the answer? Oh, sorry, it's A, skeet shooting. Indeed, um, he was, uh, Robert Stack was a sportsman, TV host, and is known for playing Elliot Ness in The Untouchables, among other films. But yeah, he, uh, um, he was introduced to the National Skeet Shooting Hall of Fame back in 1971. He was a national champion. Mm -hmm. Thank you for playing. Uh, we move on. You can on. find videos of him right. on YouTube. Now, I'll, on come that you. I'll come to you. Just talking about guns. It's like, fascinating. It's awesome. All right. <laughs> I got to run quick. <laughs> What's your name? Trey. Hi, Trey. Where are you from? Indiana. Nice. Very good. What, what are you liking in TFCon so far? Um, James Roberts. Just everything James Roberts. Nice. You get a bunch of stuff autographed? Yep. Solid panels? Very good. All right. So our next voice actor is Aaron Kincaid. Man, mm, look at that chest. <laughs> Barrel-chested Aaron Kincaid. Prior to voice acting, Aaron Kincaid, who is the voice of Skylinks in the TV show, uh, was a featured actor in a number of 1960s beach movies. Gotta love those beach flicks. In which of the following beach movies did Aaron Kincaid make an appearance? Is it A, Beach Ball? B, the girls on the beach. C, Dr. Goldfoot and the Bikini Machine. <laughs> or is it D, the ghost in the invisible bikini? I am the well ghost done. of the invisible bikini. <laughs> Absolutely. What do you choose? Uh, I'll go with uh, Beach Ball. The what do you think? He's right. He is right. Because it's right, all of them. So... <laughs> We, we have a trick question here, ladies and gentlemen. I thought we were done tricking people. This is a good thing, You guys are though. terrible. Right. Oh, we're the worst. <laughs> no, we're absolutely awful. Each and every one of these movies is an actual beach movies from the 60s. Oh, you God. should, uh, you should watch them. They are... I, I had to watch The Ghost in the Invisible Bikini because it uh, was definitely the inspiration for one of our favorite uh, segments mm. on the Autopod Decepticast. But um, uh, congratulations. Uh, we move on. Who wants to play? Oh, yeah. you're close. I'm going to you next, but I see you over there. You're next. <laughs> How are we doing on time? Uh, we're good. We are at uh, 3.48 right now. Wonderful. What is your name, good sir? Uh, Diecast. All right, and where, uh, where are you from? I'm from uh, right outside Philadelphia. Okay, and, and what do you like in TFCon? Uh, just uh, interacting with the fans, meeting new, meet new people, meeting Aaron. Uh, been a, been a good convention for uh, meeting people. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, we, uh, we say that this podcast is, it, it's about this dumb movie, but it's, uh, it's, it's my favorite movie of all time. But, uh, <laughs> but no, it's, it really is a podcast about friendship, and that's the experience we've all had here at TFCon. We've met so many cool folks, and the support from everybody has just been phenomenal. I... It's in an incredible community, and we're glad to be a part of it. Let's, uh, let's move on to your um, voice actor, who will be <sighs> Roger C. Carmel. Best and mustache ever. That, that's, oh, man. He's, a, he's got some jewels, too, going on there. <laughs> All right, so Roger C. Carmel, he was the voice of a variety of Transformers, uh, but most notably Cyclonus. Uh, Roger C. Carmel is best known for playing which spacefaring con man in the original Star Trek series and its 1970s animated counterpart. He played this character a good couple times, actually. Is it A, Harry Mudd, B, Q, three, seven of nine, 
or four, one. <laughs> I think that's an I, but it doesn't matter. It's a stupid answer anyway. I think it's a one. Oh. That's uh, pretty tough, but I think I'm going to go with the A, Harry Mudd. Yeah, man, you know what's up. You know what's up. Classic, classic character. Enjoy your prize. We will move on. You had your hand up. Let us continue. What is your name? My name's Matt from uh, Northwest Indiana, called uh, City on Colbert. Uh, what's, what's been your favorite thing about TFCon? Meeting Flint Dilly. That's a pretty good one. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's pretty awesome, actually. Oh, he's great. All right, so let's, uh, let's bring up your voice actor. That is going to be Smiling Ed Gilbert. In addition to Blitzwing, Ed Gilbert provided the voice of Baloo and Tailspin. Any of my Tailspin friends out there? I, I love that show yeah. way back in the day. And um, uh, speaking of Flint Dilly, uh, he also voiced General Hawk on G.I. Joe, amongst other roles. When he's not in the studio earning a living... How did Ed pass the time? Is it A, flying planes, B, commanding troops like Hawk do, uh, C, studying beetles, or is it D, driving tanks and flying jets simultaneously? <laughs> I want to say A, flying planes. Is yes, it? Oh, sorry. It is, uh, it is studying beetles. Um, uh, Mr. Gilbert uh, pursued a study in an entomology that specifically focused on beetles. Say the and word. No, I'm not. <laughs> I practiced it all night and still couldn't get it. Um, but no, he uh, described a number of beetle species, and I'm not... I'm not who writes this stuff? I'm not reading any of these. We're, we're going <laughs> to move on. Um, incidentally, while I've got you and we're talking about Blitzwing... Do you think that in Bumblebee that that's actually Blitzwing, Let's or do you think do we're this. looking we at that? We can't do this. We really I'm doing this it. This is well-worn territory. <laughs> All right. Do I think it's actually Blitzwing? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Thanks All right. For, very good. Thanks Who's for stopping next? the show to do okay, that. Okay, we got time for one. One more. I think one, one more. more. Yep. All right. What is your name? Mara. Hi, Mara. I'm just glad to be able to sit down. Your, um, your voice actor is Neil Ross. He, uh, he a famous dude. Uh, he voiced Springer, Slag, Bonecrusher, and Hook. Uh, Neil Ross is also known as the voice of Shipwreck on G.I. Joe. Um, at voice director Wally Burr's suggestion, which famous actor is Neil Ross conjuring, invoking for the voice of Shipwreck? Is it A... Jack Nicholson, B, Jack Palance, C, Jack Lemon, or D, Jack Daniels. <laughs> My personal favorite. What do you think? Uh, a. Nice job. Absolutely All right, right. congratulations. Everybody. He also looks like old shipwreck. He does. He really <laughs> kind of does, especially in that 30th anniversary. Uh, um, also, I forgot to ask you where you're from and what your uh, favorite part about TFCon is. Uh, I liked watching the movie last night with all the other fans. Oh, yeah. yeah, that was a lot. That was a lot of fun, wasn't it? Kind and of Rocky Horroring. It. Yeah, it's cool. All uh, right. I think that's it. Thank you, man. Um, so it's time to close this baby up here. Uh, so thank you all for coming out. Thanks to everybody for the support they've shown. We to thought us. there would be upwards of three people in the yeah, audience. Yeah, you've nice. exceeded hope, our ex expectations. Uh, Thanks a lot, Mike, for uh, running around out there too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, yeah, and to the TFCon organizers and crew and everything. I have was an extra pain in the butt in trying to get this thing set up. So thank you to that. So, uh, Mike, where can they find you, real quick? Uh, you can find me at Mike Seibert Radio on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. The spelling on that is S-E-I-B-E-R-T. And incidentally, I am not affiliated with Sabertron at all. It's a weird, weird coincidence. They owe me money, I think, or something. <laughs> uh, but no, you can find my podcast, Mike Seibert Radio. I talk about stuff and things that are on my mind every week. It's a pop culture show uh, where I interview bands. I do uh, pop culture news. That's how I got connected with these guys. That's on... Uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, basically wherever you get your finer podcasts. And uh, while I, before I click this mic off very quickly, so we mentioned earlier that this is going to be a recorded podcast for clearly our own vanity. Would you please let the folks listening at home know that you are indeed a real audience and that you're happy to be here? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, thank you. All right. <laughs> 
Thank you so much. I'll see you around the way. Make good choices. <laughs> so, all right, so if you had a good time, as you're alluding to, it would also feel free. We're on all those same platforms as well on iTunes, so feel free to give it a little subscribe. As we've alluded to several times, we're starting to kind of just make some art to help pay for all the, the, the website crap and all that. So if you like the stuff you've seen or heard it, just listen. We're out there. Listen. Feel free to buy something. Um, well, our web presence, I always forget to say this, autopoddeceptacast.com is the web. And uh, that's really it. You guys got anything? I do not. I, I, this has been really fun. This is my first uh, conference of, like yeah. con that I've been to of any kind, and uh, let alone Transformers. So this has been great, just meeting everybody and like getting to know people who actually, uh, you know, are also listeners of the podcast. We've run into a couple, and it's just been it's it's been a great experience. I've really enjoyed it. Likewise, I'm just I'm glad that we we got all we we made it. We and got it, all the way. <laughs> we made it. Let's get it looks some like we made <laughs> That's it. it. That's it, everybody. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much. Appreciate it.